0: Welcome to the Whitefields Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, including location and service times, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. If you are blessed by this message, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Today's message comes from our Advent series, Light in the Darkness.
1: Would you please bow your heads with me and let's pray as we open God's Word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the light of your word, like a lamp shining in a dark place, Lord. It deserves our attention. And so, Lord, this morning, would you help us to understand who you are? Would you help us to understand what you have done and how you've loved us? And, Lord, help us to respond to your goodness and grace in the right ways. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few years ago, my wife and I, Rosemary, we were living in Hungary. And around Christmas time, like this time of year, We went out to dinner one night, and we went out to dinner with some leaders from our church. We had kind of like a Christmas staff dinner at a nice restaurant. And so after dinner, we walked home, and as we entered into our house, we noticed our house was like trash. Like, it was a mess. Like, there was just stuff all over the floor and stuff. And at first, we were like, hey, who made this mess? And we were kind of like looking at each other like, hey, did you— dump a bunch of stuff on the floor, because all these drawers were pulled out, cabinets were opened, stuff was just thrown all over the floor. It took us a moment to realize what had happened, but we quickly did, then it did register. What had happened is that our house had been broken into. Somebody had broken in the bedroom window, Uh, we lived on the ground floor of an apartment building, And somebody had broken in the window, come in our house, and they stole everything from us that was of any value at all. Which we didn't have a lot of valuable things. We had some. My wife had inherited some jewelry from her mom from Peru. And I had a computer. We had some nice camera equipment and stuff like that. And it was all stolen. And so they had come and they had done this under the cover of darkness. Because at this time of year, as you know, the sun goes down early. And so when we had left for dinner, it was dark out And there were no lights in this area where we lived outside. And they could see that the lights weren't on in our house. And so under the cover of darkness, it was easy for them to break in and rob us. And so we reported it to the police, but they never had any leads on who it might have been. And we were pretty shaken up by the whole thing because our son at the time, he was a year old. And we're like, you know, what if these people come back? What if they break in again? You know, the room that they had broken into was the room where he slept. And so we told our landlord, you know, we're thinking about moving because we didn't know if we could stay there. And he said, well, I don't want you to move, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, He agreed to pay to put uh, safety shutters On our windows. Now, these are really common in Europe. You might have seen them before in different places. Like these shutters that you can like roll down over your windows, and they provide like two purposes. One is that it's like security, right? So people can't break into your windows. So you let them down at night while you're sleeping, or you put them down when you leave for the day. And so they, they provide security, but they also Block out light. in fact, they can block out almost one hundred percent of the light. and so uh, the first day that we had these installed, I remember we went to bed, we put down the shutters, and we went to sleep, and then we woke up and we were, like looking at each other and we we're like, "What time is it? And it was like one in the afternoon. We had slept for like 13 or 14 hours. Like, our brains were just like, what? Is there no sun anymore? You know, just, we just don't wake up now or something, right? And so then we we're like, oh, where's our sun, you know? So we wanted to go find him. And so we were just stumbling around the house, like running into stuff because we couldn't find the light. It was so dark in our house. And, um, you know, that's the thing about light and darkness. Darkness hides things, whereas light reveals things, And so when you bring light into a dark place, what it does is it reveals what was there all along. It helps you to see things as they really are when the light comes into darkness. But this is the reason why throughout human history, people have associated darkness with evil and death, and they've associated light with goodness and life. But the thing about light, have you ever thought about this, is that light always has to have a source. Darkness doesn't like, resolve itself. It doesn't get undark. Light doesn't just happen on its own. It has to come from something. It has to have a source. The Bible tells us that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. On the other hand, in this world that we live in, the Bible tells us that the world we live in is shrouded under the cover of darkness. And this darkness isn't just something out there. The darkness is also something that is in here. It affects each of us personally. It, it affects our understanding. It affects even our very hearts. The default human condition, the Bible says, is that we are in darkness. And the bad news is this. Unless someone comes and brings light into the darkness, that darkness will eventually overcome us. It will swallow us up and even destroy us. But that's why there's good news at Christmas. You see, the message of Christmas is this, that at the darkest time... In history, the darkest time in the world, the dark time for us in our lives, the message of Christmas is that God has not abandoned us to darkness and death, but he has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ to give us the light of life. And so the title of today's message is, In These Dark Streets Shineth, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 and the gospel story there. And here's, every Sunday I give you a summary sentence, kind of a takeaway truth, right? It's our our message, the message of our passage, summarized into one sentence that I'd love for you to write down and memorize and take with you and ponder on throughout this week. And so if you would write this down, memorize it, maybe take a photo, whatever you got to do to take this thought with you, here's what we're going to see in our passage today. How in order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness... Jesus came as the morning star so we can live in the dawn of a new day. So in order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness, that's the first part. Let's talk about that. In order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness, in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, here's what we read. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. In verse 3, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds, out in the field, watching their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. You know, this week I did my annual ritual of risking my life to hang little lights on my roof, you know. It is kind of crazy that we climb up, like, during the coldest time of the year, put all these lights on our house. Some years, I'm the first person to put up my lights in my neighborhood because I didn't take them down the year before. That's what I do. I just turn them off and pretend nobody notices. But this year, I climbed up on my roof again. In a couple weeks, I'm going to climb up there again and risk my life to do this. But you know what? There's something beautiful about the light of these Christmas lights and what it represents, how these lights are piercing the darkness of these long winter nights. But listen, for these shepherds who were watching their flocks in the fields near Bethlehem, they had never seen light in the middle of the night. There was no electricity. There were no street lights. When the sun went down, it was just dark, period. That's all. You know, we're so used to seeing lights uh, everywhere we go. Cities lit up with electricity But these people had never seen anything like that in their lives. So imagine what a surprise it would have been for them when suddenly, in the middle of the night, the sky lit up. And it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now that word shone in Greek, in the original Greek text uh, that this was written in, is the word lampo, from which we get our word lamp. Now I tell you that, so you make a mental note of it, because it's going to matter in another passage I'm going to share with you in just a minute. So make a mental note that this lamp in the dark place shone that night, okay? Now, the point is this. There was a bright light which lit up the sky, something these shepherds had never seen before. And, of course, because they didn't know what it was, they were very afraid. And the angel said to them, we read verse 10, "'Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people.'" What the angels declared to these shepherds that night was that in Bethlehem, a Savior had been born. Israel, throughout their history... Israel had many saviors at different times in different situations. Men and women who were raised up by God to be saviors and deliverers for the people. Deliverers in times of national crisis to deliver them from oppression. People like Gideon, who was raised up by God to save them, deliver them from the oppression of the Midianites. People like Samson, who was raised up by God to deliver them and save them from the oppression of the Philistines. And yet, here they were once again, the people of God, the Jewish people, being oppressed, being occupied by a foreign nation, this time by the mighty Roman Empire. And so as these shepherds, as they were hearing this message, God has brought about for you a Savior today in Bethlehem. They must have immediately thought, yes, this is good. We need another Savior. We need a Savior to deliver us, this time from the Romans, at this time It had been 400 years since God had spoken to the people through a prophet. The last time the word of the Lord had come to Israel was through the prophet Malachi, some 400 years prior to this. These were dark times in Israel. They were dark times politically. They were dark times spiritually. And into the darkness of this moment, the light of God's glory appeared. And God's message was to these shepherds that he had not forgotten them, that his silence was not absence. And now he's sending them a savior. But this savior is going to be different than any other savior who has come to Israel before. This savior, the angels declared, was Christ the Lord. Now that is an extremely important title, Christ the Lord. Let me explain it to you. That word Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew term Messiah. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew term Messiah because the gospel of Luke like all the other New Testament books, was written in Greek because Greek was the most spoken language in the world at that time. And so because they wanted as many people and as many places around the world to hear the good news about Jesus, they wrote about him. They wrote these books in Greek, the the language that as many people as possible could possibly read. And so understand this, though. The shepherds didn't speak Greek. And so what would they have heard? The angels, the proclamation that they would have made was something that that I think has a different tone to it. The Messiah has been born. The Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. The Messiah, this special person whom God had promised for thousands of years that he was going to send. God had spoken through the prophets that one day he would send a Savior. This Messiah is a Savior who would not only save the people from foreign oppression, But he would set right everything that is wrong in this world. The Messiah, the prophets said, would come and he would put an end to evil forever. He would bring about a new world of righteousness and peace that would last forever. The Messiah would destroy not only the works of the devil, but even the devil himself by crushing Satan's head under his foot. This Messiah, when he came, the prophet said, he would come to judge the nations, but he would show mercy to those who were humble, to those who were willing to confess their sins and follow God by faith. To them, he would come not as a judge to condemn, but as a savior to deliver them, not just from the Midianites, not just from the Philistines, not even just from the Romans, but from the ultimate oppression, which every human being, every society lives under, languishes under, the oppression of sin and death and darkness. What these angels were announcing that night is that the Messiah had been born, but the angels also told them who the Messiah was going to be or who the Messiah was. Notice they said Christ the Messiah, Christ the Lord, Christ the Lord. Now for the Jewish people, that's a very important phrase. The Lord, that is the term they use to refer to God. That's the name they use for God. They call him the Lord. And here's why. Because in the Ten Commandments, God had told the people, you remember, one of the commandments is, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. But What does that mean? People still ask me, even people ask me all the time, but what does that mean? Like, how do you, how do you know if you're doing it or not? Like, at what point, at what extent are you taking God's name in vain? Well, listen, the Jewish people, they weren't exactly even sure what it meant. And so they wanted to be very cautious, lest even on accident, they end up breaking that commandment and taking the Lord's name in vain. And so just to be careful, the Jewish people agreed that they would never say the name of the Lord out loud. They would never say God's name, meaning the name that God had given to Moses back in Exodus. Do you remember this? That Moses was going to go talk to Pharaoh and God had sent him, spoke to him through the burning bush and said, hey, go, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said, okay, but he's going to ask me, who is your God? What's your God's name? What should I tell Pharaoh? What is your name? And God said, I am who I am. In Hebrew, it's pronounced Yahweh, which means, it, comes to, it derives from the word to be Yahweh comes from the the verb to be. What it means, I am who I am, right? I am the one who was, who is, whoever will be. That is who I am, the ever-existent one. That was God's name that he gave to Moses. But the people were worried. What if we say that name, and by doing it, even accidentally, We end up taking the Lord's name in vain. Let's just agree that we'll never say it out loud. And so what they would do is they would write it only. They wouldn't say it. They would only write it. But even when they wrote it, they wouldn't use the punctuation marks, which indicated vowel sounds in that language. Instead, they would only write the consonants. Right? In English, it'd be like writing Y-H-W-H. And, and so they, they said, and when we speak, we won't ever say the name of the Lord. We will only say Adonai instead. Adonai, which means the Lord in Hebrew. And over time, people began to worry about even writing it. And as they said, wait a second, what if God's name is even so holy that we shouldn't even be writing it down? And so they agreed that as they made new copies of the scriptures, what they would do is they would no longer even write out the consonants of the holy name. What they would do instead is they would write in Hebrew, they would write Adonai. Or in Greek, they would write kurios, which means Lord And they would write it with a special font, if you will, a special way to indicate that this was referring to the name of God. And that's why when you read in your Bible, in the Old Testament, have you ever noticed that sometimes the Lord, his name, is spelled in all capital letters? That's an indication that in the original text, that was the name of God, Yahweh, and it was replaced by Adonai, in, and in Greek, kurios, and in English, the Lord. And so, by the way, this is also why when Jesus came on the scene and he started making these declarative statements saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. People picked up stones to throw at him to kill him because They believed that he was invoking and using for himself the holy name of God, which no one at that time even said, right, I am. And they said, this is blasphemy. You're calling yourself God and you're using the holy name. And indeed, it would have been blasphemy if Jesus was not exactly who he claimed to be. But here, I want you to understand what the angels were saying to these shepherds and to us is this. This day in Bethlehem, the Messiah has been born. And who is this Messiah? He is none other than the Lord. God himself come to you to save you. Look with me down to verse 21 here in chapter 2 of the Luke's gospel. It says, At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now the story of when the angel told Joseph to name this baby Jesus is found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, and it's honestly one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. I find it incredibly moving. Here's what the angel told Joseph. He told him that Mary was going to have a child, and here's what the angel said to Joseph in this dream. She, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know what the name Jesus means? It means God saves. God saves. And I want you to think about that phrase. Call him Jesus. Call him God saves for he. Jesus will save his people from their sins. Who's doing the saving? Jesus is doing the saving, but his name means God saves. You see, it's implied there that Jesus is God who has come to save the people from their sins. And that's why it says in the very next two verses, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Friends, this is the good news that we celebrate at Christmas, that God came to us in the person of Jesus in order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness. You see, when the shepherds in the field that night, what they were experiencing was the beginning, the first light, if you will, of what God had promised through the prophet Isaiah. When in Isaiah chapter 60, Isaiah prophesied about a future day that was yet to come. And here's what he said. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen by you. See, that night, the shepherds experienced a literal light in the darkness of the night sky. The glory of the Lord literally shone around them. But what this event represented was that just as he had promised he would do, God had come to his people in order to set them free from the tyranny of darkness. You see, the Paul, Paul the Apostle in his letter to the Ephesians, in chapter 6 of that letter, he explains something that he calls. He says, the world we live in right now, you know what it's like? He said, we live in this present darkness. The, the world we live in presently, currently, is ruled by darkness, by evil. Spiritual forces of evil is what he calls them. You see, just as Isaiah the prophet explained, we live in a world that is shrouded by darkness. And here's the even worse news is that this darkness is not just something that's out there. It's not just in some bad people, you know, some nameless bad people who are probably out there and they probably do bad things. No, this darkness has covered all peoples, is what Isaiah told us. That means it's me and you. This darkness isn't just out there where bad things happen. This darkness has got its claws even into your very heart. It's it's infiltrated your mind, permeated your heart. The Bible talks about how part of the human condition, what it means to be a human in the world today, is that our hearts have been darkened. This darkness isn't just something outside, out there that we can avoid. No, it's something that has worked its way even into our very hearts. And if you're honest with yourself, you can't help but admit that there are even thoughts, desires that come into your mind, whether you act on them or not, whether anybody else ever knows But you yourself know that there are thoughts, there are are, uh, desires that come into your mind that are dark, that are evil, that are not of the Lord. And the even worse problem with this darkness is that there is no way to save yourself from it. You remember what I told you about light earlier? I mean, that's the issue. Darkness doesn't resolve itself. The darkness can't fix its problem There has to be an outside source that brings light into the darkness, so unless someone saves us from it, this darkness will eventually completely consume us, and we will end up in what Jesus called outer darkness, which is a place of being utterly lost and utterly hopeless forever, and yet Here's the good news, the promise of the gospel, the good news that we celebrate at Christmas of what Jesus has done for us. Here's what it says in the letter to the Colossians. Paul the Apostle writes them. he says, here's the gospel, the good news. Here's what Christmas means to us, that Jesus has come and he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, there in the fields around Bethlehem that night when Jesus was born, the angels proclaimed the good news that would bring great joy to all people, that God himself had come into the world in order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness. And that brings us to the second part of our sentence, that in order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness, Jesus came as the morning star. You know, the famous Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It begins by talking about how Bethlehem was a sleepy town. And then it says, Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Let me ask you, what are your greatest fears? What are your greatest fears? And what are your greatest hopes? Not just what you hope to accomplish in the short term, but why do you hope to accomplish that? What is the hope beneath all your other hopes? What is the hope that you hold down deepest in your heart of hearts? This is how the apostle Peter explain the significance of what happened on that first Christmas when Jesus was born. Here's what Peter says in 2 Peter 1, verse 19. He says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The significance of Jesus' birth, Peter tells us, is that it was the confirmation of the prophetic promises The Old Testament is full of prophecies about who the Messiah would be and what he would do. And some of those prophecies are very specific. Did you know there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the Messiah, who he would be, what he would do. They talk about where he would be born. The prophet Micah tells us that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. They talk about the family he would be born into. He would be born of the tribe of Judah, into the family of King David. He would be born of a virgin. They talk about what he would do, the kind of messages he would preach, the kind of people he would speak to, the miracles he would perform. They talk about how people would receive him and respond to him. They talk about how he would die. And what Peter tells us is that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. And he says, this is something that should cause you To pay attention, like like you would to a lamp shining in a dark place. Do you remember what we read back in Luke chapter 2, verse 9? How the glory of the Lord shone upon the shepherds. And the word shone is the same word as lamp. What Peter's saying is just as the light shone in the darkness on that night when God revealed this great truth to the shepherds, you also have this light. This light that should get your attention, it should grab you by the collar, it should arrest your attention and say, Look, look, here he is, look at Jesus, look at what he has done, look at who he is, look at what he has accomplished. He didn't just come to give you information about God, but he is Christ the Lord. God himself come to us to set us free from the tyranny of darkness until, Peter says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What does that mean? The morning star? Well, the morning star is actually a name that is given to Jesus in more than one place in the New Testament. The morning star in the book of Revelation, Jesus introduces himself as the morning star. What does that even mean? What is a morning star? Well, the morning star is the name that we give to the last star that is shining in the sky during dawn. You know, that as the night ends and dawn begins, what happens is, before you can even see the light shining over the horizon, you know what happens? You'll notice in the sky that you see fewer and fewer stars. And so the morning star is the name that's given to the last star that shines in the sky during the dawn. You see, one of the greatest metaphors that the Bible uses to describe where we are at in the big picture of human history, right? In the big picture of all of world history, one of the primary metaphors the Bible uses is this metaphor of dawn. It's a really interesting metaphor, and think, I want you to think about it, because if you've ever been awake at dawn, you know that dawn has some unique characteristics. For example, at dawn, darkness and light are both present At the same time, darkness is present, light is also present. You know, sometimes people wonder, they say, okay, so if the Bible says that Jesus came and he suffered and died and and he defeated sin, death, and the devil, if he defeated sin, death, and the devil, then why is it that evil still exists? Why is it that bad things still happen? Why is it that people still get sick and die? If Jesus defeated these things, then why are they still present? And the reason the Bible gives us, it would say this, because that's where we are in human history. The light of the world has broken into the darkness of night. And yet, right now, where are we? Dawn. The new day has not yet come, but it is coming. Right now, we are in dawn. What is dawn? It's still night, but the night is almost over. The first light of the new day has broken in. And once the dawn begins, there's no turning back. It's only a matter of time until the new day comes and drives out the darkness completely. And that, the Bible says, is where we are at in the big picture of world history. Jesus, the light of the world, has come. That's the meaning of Christmas. Through his life, death, and resurrection, he has broken the power of darkness, and soon the new day will begin. And what will that new day be like? We're told in many places in the Bible what it will be like, but I'll read you one of them. I like this one from Isaiah chapter 25. Here's what it says. It says, He will swallow up on this mountain. That's Mount Zion, which is a picture of heaven. On this mountain, the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, and He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken, and it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Friends, the message of the gospel, the message of Christmas, is that evil, suffering, death, sickness, strife, they will not reign forever. A new day is coming. And friends, the fulfillment of all of your deepest hopes, the solution for all of your greatest fears, they are both found in Jesus, and they will be realized in this new day that he has come to usher in. The good news of the gospel, the hope that we celebrate at Christmas, is that Jesus came into the world to break the power of darkness by giving his life as a sacrifice for your sins. In order to usher in the new day in which sin and evil and darkness and death will be no more. And this brings us to the final part of our sentence for today. In order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness, Jesus came as the morning star so we can live in the dawn of the new day. What does it look like for us to live in response to this good news about Jesus Well, we read there in Luke chapter 2 how the shepherds responded to this proclamation of the angels. When they heard this message from the angels that the Messiah had been born in Bethlehem and, and they heard the angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest, they went to go check it out for themselves to see if things were really so. And it says in verse 16, they found Mary and Joseph, just as the angels had said, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they left that place, where did they go? It says they went out and they began telling others what they had seen and heard. They began telling others about the light they had seen shining in the darkness, the angelic proclamation about the Messiah, the baby in the manger. And it says in verse 20 that the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. I want you to consider how the shepherds responded to the light of God's revelation to them in that night. First of all, they sought out Jesus for themselves. Secondly, they shared the good news about Jesus with others. And third, they worshiped. So how should we respond to the good news about Jesus this Christmas? Well, in the same way. First of all, by seeking out Jesus for yourself. I I encourage you, I challenge you. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take somebody else's word for it. Seek it out yourself. Read the Gospels. Read about Jesus' teaching. Read about what he did. Find out who he is. Go read the Old Testament prophecies that talk about who he would be and what he would do and this new day that he's going to usher in. And then, once you've done that, once you've checked out Jesus for yourself, don't keep that information to yourself. Share it with others. It's good news of great joy, not just for you, but for all people. And as you do that, you know what happens as you talk to others about what you've discovered about Jesus, what you've learned, what you believe? It strengthens it in your heart and your mind. As you hear those words coming out of your mouth, as you create those sentences, it solidifies these things in your heart and in your mind. And finally, we respond in worship. To respond to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you, it isn't just limited to singing songs of praise. It certainly is that, but it's so much more than that. It's an entire lifestyle of response and worship that involves reflecting his light in the world. Check out what Paul the Apostle wrote to the Christians in Philippi. He says this, I want you to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. As you follow Jesus, as you are being changed and transformed to think and act more like Jesus, you begin to shine his light to the world around you through your words, through your actions, as you love your enemies, as you forgive those who sin against you, as you humble yourself and confess your sins, as you speak truth, and as you show love, we get to live out and reflect the light of God's glory as we live in the dawn of this new day that is coming. When Jesus was born in the middle of the night, light shone in the darkness. Light eclipsed the darkness. But do you know this? That when Jesus died, the opposite happened. When Jesus died, the opposite happened. On the day we call Good Friday, as Jesus hung on the cross, during the brightest part of the day, darkness eclipsed the light of day. Darkness descended on the earth for three hours, it says in the Gospels. Why? Because God allowed all of the darkness of evil, sin, and death to fall upon him. Do you think about that? That when Jesus was born, light broke into the darkness. But as Jesus died, darkness enveloped the light. Why was that? It was to signify what was happening spiritually. The spiritual darkness of this world, the darkness that resides in your own heart, all of it was placed upon him. And he, Jesus, was swallowed up in darkness on your behalf so that you wouldn't be. He, Christ the Lord, Jesus, God with us, come to save us from our sins. The way he did it was by taking your sins, the darkness of your heart, upon himself. And the good news is that Jesus, the light of the world, broke the power of darkness. He overcame it. And because of that, you can have the light of his life inside of you. If you receive the gift of his grace by faith, by trusting in, relying on, clinging to him and what he's done for you, then rather than darkness and death, you can begin living in the light of his glory even today. Friends, in order to set us free from the tyranny of darkness, Jesus came as the morning star so we can live in the dawn of a new day. Would you please bow your heads with me? And-
0: You have been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Make sure to tap the subscribe button if you would like to have new messages delivered to your device every week when they are released. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support our ministry, you can do so by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or by giving a donation to our church on our website at whitefieldschurch.com.